Welcome back Beyond the Walls with Team World Vision. This is LDR, your National Director, and on behalf of our entire staff, Happy New Year. I know that we are well into January and that this January may feel quite long to some of us as it has for many of us, but it is still, friends, the beginning of the year. And we hope that in the midst of all the ups and downs coming out of the holiday season, riding this crazy wave of Omicron, that this January feature podcast finds you and your families healthy and doing well. So let's get to some shout outs, my friends. Our spring events are rolling. Last weekend, we had a small but mighty crew rock Houston Marathon. To those of you that crushed the streets of Houston, congratulations. Denver, Nashville, and Brooklyn, we are praying for you, my friends, as you are at the beginning of your seasons, taking these first steps and warming up those muscles or maybe the first time in a long time for some of us. Hey, it's okay. Remember, every workout is progress. It's a work in progress. It might not be pretty. It even might be ugly, but it is complete when you get it done. And that is progress. It can take about four to six weeks for your bodies to really adapt to a training plan and to start feeling the positive effects of your training. So keep believing, get yourself to a Saturday group training. We are all shapes, sizes, and ability levels, and walkers are welcome. So friends, don't you talk yourself out of it. Just get there. And now, where are my LA folks at? LA, baby, you are halfway LA. Halfway through your training, halfway to the finish line, and we are praying halfway to your fundraising goal. Don't be shy, my friends. You are putting in the work and you are not doing this in vain. Be bold and share the journey. Whether you are a first timer or a veteran, this is the reality, friends. Every donation you get is going to someone's first access to sustainable, clean water. Whether it's the first bath, the first clean shower, the first clean, safe, accessible glass of water, get yourself to an impact brunch if you haven't yet to hear more about how your miles are changing lives. Because you might feel like it's just another mile, but friends, this is not just another glass of clean water, not just another shower. This is clean, life-changing, sustainable water that you are moving for. So get yourself to that brunch and have a great time with your teammates, all right? And don't forget, mask up and stay socially distanced. Let's stay healthy, team. And all right, finally, where is the Phoenix fire? Fire! Phoenix, my friends, you know it. I know it. It is the big one. This one is your longest training of the year, and it might be happening right now. You might be moving your feet in this very moment, crushing it. And true story, friends, you might not feel like you're crushing it, and maybe you do, and I hope that is true. But if you're not feeling like you're crushing it, you need to know that you are one step at a time. That's the only way this puppy happens, whether it's one mile or 20 miles, you're taking it one step at a time. And if you are not in a good headspace right now, you gotta stop friends, keep moving, keep moving, 
but just stop that headspace for a minute. Take a deep breath. Shake out your arms and turn the palms of your hands towards the sky. And just say this little prayer with me. Lord, speak. Tell me what you want me to hear. And remind me, Lord, why I am doing this. Lord, if you will pick up these feet for me, I will put them down so that Jerry Cans can drop for kids forever. Lord, I'm here. I'm listening. Amen. And friends, if you need to pause this podcast right now and you just need to listen and just have some time with God, you need to pause it because we will be back for you as soon as you restart it. And when you get back, you are going to be blessed. Today, we have with us running the one and only Mr. Michael Chitwood, the founder of Team World Vision. From best ofs to tips and inspiration, and just hearing what God is doing in Michael's life right now in this chapter of his calling, you are in for a treat. Well, team, today we've got running with us the one, the only, Michael Chitwood, the founder of Team World Vision. Welcome to 2022, Michael. How are you feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling the mixed emotions, but I'm feeling good. Yeah. New years, new adventures, great yeah. things to look back on, incredible things to look forward to. Yeah. New Year's is always a little bit of a wild time. Yeah. Right on. Well, so to kick things off, meatball pitch to the founder of our ministry. What are our top five, in your opinion, must-do Team World Vision events? Well, I put a little thought into this. I have what I think is a solid list here, but I know uh, I'm going to make some people mad anytime you you start prioritizing or naming your top. So, um, there and I, are I have, staff that are going to listen to this. I have staff and probably some team captains that will listen and be like, what? How did we not make the top five? Yeah. So I got a couple honorable mentions and a couple cheat codes here, but... Coming in at number five, Hood to Coast. I say the most fun Team World Vision event we do. It's the most fun. It's it's not the hardest. It's not the most epic. It's the most fun. And, you know, 24 plus hours in vans with other teammates, top fundraisers from around the country, celebrity runners, Brian Frazier bringing the craziness. I just think hood to coast from the top of Mount Hood, Oregon to Seaside, Oregon through the night. Um, I've gotten to do it, I think, four times as a runner um, and been to it five times. And it is just an incredible fun event. So number five, hood to coast. If you haven't gotten an invite to that, find a way to get an invite. It's a $10,000 fundraising goal per person, but well worth doing. Absolutely. It's adult summer camp, y'all. It's adult summer camp on wheels. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. Uh, Number four, and some people might be surprised this comes in so low on the list, actually, is Ironman. And specifically, Ironman Wisconsin with the team. Um, Ironman training for my first Ironman is where God gave me the idea for Team World Vision. I've done it five times. um, And I love Ironman Wisconsin in the orange jersey with your teammates it is and there's nothing like the electricity it feels like when you when you're about to get in the water in uh lake monona right in front of the monona terrace it feels like you're going to get shocked by electricity that's how much energy is running through you as you step into the water 
start that swim, get onto that hilly bike course, do the marathon run. And the last time I did it was 2014, just a few months after my son Cruz was born. Epic race. Ironman, if you've done a marathon and you're thinking about triathlon, don't settle for anything less. Go for the Ironman. That's it right there. And that's a huge plug for parents. Chitwood just said that he he did an Ironman just months after his first child was born. And I have to say his marriage is strong and his wife is incredible. So um, that's a huge plug that you can do it. You can do it. You know, when I, my, when I did uh, my first Ironman, my brother Dan came to watch me and he said, someday when my kids are grown, I'll do Ironman. And three years later, he was wading into the waters of Lake Monona with me doing Ironman and his kids were still young. He was a pastor, four kids, and just said, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to figure it out. He did his bike rides on a trainer in his living room, watching movies with his kids. He did his long runs on a one mile loop in his neighborhood and his kids would run alongside him or ride their bikes and take turns. And, you know, it's, um, it's one of those things that the Ironman is tough to do every year uh, because you really need your family to support you in doing it. If, if, if you're married or um, if you're single, you need friends or family or bosses who are going to help you figure it out. It's a big commitment, but the payoff is huge. So I, I agree LDR. Uh, don't, don't think, don't, don't say you can't do it. I will say this, the people doing Ironman are the busiest people I've seen. Mm. They are CEOs and CFOs and lawyers and teachers and doctors, and they are people who are busy mm -hmm. and they find a way to carve it in. Yeah. There you go. All right. Coming in hot at number three, drum number roll. Three. Out Kilimanjaro. Pew, 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 going international. That's what I'm talking about. Only non-running slash triathlon event on the list. I did not know what to expect. I did it in 2019. It was epic. I mean, it was epic. And there's a lot of, lot of chatter between Team World Vision runners, which is tougher, Ironman or Comrades, Ironman or Comrades. And I would say uh, Kilimanjaro is up there in the epicness. And it was very hard the last night, largely because I was so scared <laughs> being on the mountain. Right. But if you can do a marathon, you can do Killy. And again, it, um, there's nothing like it. There's nothing else we do that quite touches what Mount Kilimanjaro climb is. So that one. And I, yeah. I know it I, may be I love the diversity of the events that you're even talking about, right? Like a lot of people are like, oh, Team World Vision, running a marathon. Like, no, friends, no. There is a lot happening that you can engage in that God can really speak into and push you through in these events and it's a wide wide variety they're right there in your bottom three of your top Our bottom three we haven't even hit a marathon yet other than ironman marathon so and we're not going to hit one with number two either Ooh. so coming in at number two julie probably knows what i'm gonna say ldr you might it's comrades and it's called the comrades marathon but it's anything but a marathon it's 56 miles 89 to 90k depending on the year through the hills of South Africa, um, it is uh, the ultimate human race. 20,000 people till that starting line. And that is just an epic race. I've done it seven times with Team World Vision and uh, each time brings its own story. Um, the training is hard. I will say the training is easier on your schedule than Ironman training. 
So that's the one thing I like. I think it's a little harder on your body and a lot easier on your schedule because you're not mixing in two sports a day, uh, two a day workouts, you know, seven hour bike rides, any of that stuff. So comrades is doable. If you've trained for a marathon, you really need to be someone who's been able to do a sub five hour marathon. So you're going to get to work your way up to it. Comrades coming in at number two. Nice. You get to go to the field. When you go to comrades, you get to go to the field. I was just going to say having, while I have not run comrades, um, I, I knew, I mean, I knew comrades is going to be in the top five, but I haven't run comrades, but I've been to it twice. And I have to say, if you have an opportunity, like what you were saying, Chitwood, when, when we're in a time when we go to the field and we run comrades and we go to the field afterwards, being a spectathlete at comrades is a must experience too. So even if like, like running it, but if you have the opportunity to go and be a spectathlete before going to the field, that in and of itself is, is also a great experience, but you should also run it. I agree. It's, um. It's epic. I do think that if you go watch it, it's hard not to get bit by the bug and want to run it. But I also understand oh, yeah, that it is, that there's a couple of our events that just not everyone is in a space physically or family-wise or life rhythms that they can pull it off, you know? And so Comrades is one of those events. Comrades and Ironman are events I never try to really talk someone into. Mm-hmm. Um, if I see the spark in them and the only thing preventing them from doing it is they're scared they can't, I'll talk them into it. But you, I don't ever argue with people about really trying to understand if it's the right season of life to do it. But Bart Yasso, who is considered the mayor of running, calls comrades, who he did the first comrades with Team World Vision. It's his favorite running memory ever, he told me. And he wrote an article for Runner's World calling it the best race in the world to travel to. So that's a pretty big endorsement from Runner's World former mayor of running, chief running officer, Bart Yasso. Best race in the world to travel to, comrades. So good. You ready to make some people mad? Ready to make some people mad. I cannot wait for what is about to happen. Number one. I got a couple bonuses and honorable mentions, but coming in at number one, if you were only ever going to choose one race to do with team world vision if you were uh, if you've never done this race you've been running with us for years you have to come run chicago marathon it is the home of team world vision we on a good year you know 2000 orange jerseys on the course you know million and a half to two million spectators forty-five thousand runners um it is the home of Team World Vision. And uh, there are, listen, New York City Marathon, incredible. You know, one of my good friends, Ted Metellus, is the race director at New York. He loves us. They treat us great. LA Marathon, love it. Love the course, love the route, love the people, love the drums on the course, the finish at the beach, everything about it. There's so many great races, but Chicago Marathon is the one must-do event, I think, for all of Team World Vision. you got to come run it if you have not. Well, and I would say, as a L.A. board and bred introduced to the Team World Vision family person, I do have my own opinions about my top five events. But to go home to the hometown of Team World Vision, and like you said, to see where it started, to experience the orange in its foundational essence and its origin, there is nothing like 
taking the streets to Chicago. It is incredibly special for so many reasons, from the race to the team, to the jerseys, um, the iconic places that you run through, the diversity of the city. Um, but yeah, then just the sheer number. The rally clap, dude, that you led this year coming out of the Team World Vision tent as we like marched out to the, to the race corrals was one of the most epic, crisp, powerful rally claps I've ever been a part of. It was, mm. was a moment. That's good. Yeah, I love, I love Chicago so much. I do have, I told you I was going to cheat. So I got a bonus and an honorable mention. And if you guys know Chitwood at all, those of you that are running, you know that he's kind of a cheater. Yes. I mean, he's not actually cheating, but he's always bending the rules for bending more. Them. He's yeah. more inclusive, more expansive. There's yeah. always more available. So why have five when you can have honorable mentions? Yeah, more. So the bonus race is one of my favorite race memories is a 15K I did in 2008 in Zambia in Museli. ADP. And Zambia is not like East Africa. It's not like Kenya or Ethiopia where there's a running culture. And so, but they knew we were coming. We were bringing Ryan and Sarah Hall, um, Olympic runner, Ryan Hall, professional runner, Sarah Hall. We were bringing them. And so they knew they wanted to host a five or a 15 K for us, but it's was in a village on dirt roads. It um, was uphill pretty much the whole way. Uh, and we ran with people from the community and these two little girls ran the whole thing with me. And it was, they were probably nine or 10 years old running barefoot. And uh, they literally lined us up in six or seven single file lines for the start line. They'd never even done a start line before. So we started in single file lines. They stapled handwritten bibs to our jerseys with a stapler. Um, and then, but as we're, as we're running this race, I mean, it was just unreal. We come into the finish line and there's this huge celebration. But as we were standing there, we're, we're celebrating around a new borehole well, um, water, water point. And that was real cool. But then what happened during that celebration is I looked off in the distance, um, maybe 50, 75 yards away. And there was another World Vision water point that we'd installed. And there was a young girl there filling up her jerry can. So like over here, we're having this big party and celebrating all the funds that had been raised. I mean, we'd only been around two years at that point for Team World Vision. But I remember seeing away from the fanfare, these two girls filling up their jerry can mm -hmm. and realizing at that point the, the life change that had happened in their lives. They weren't there for the show or for the party. They were just there to get water. And um, that was just, it, it's a memory that stands out to me. And so what I'd say from that bonus, the 15K in Zambia, we don't do that race, it's not a race, but I would say this, on almost every vision trip I've been on, the community has hosted something for us, a 5K, a 3K, a walk, something. And um, sometimes we've gone and done the Nairobi Marathon or we did the International Peace Half Marathon in Rwanda. We've done Vic Falls, but I would say getting to the field with Team World Vision is it, it kind of trumps everything like if you can if you can finagle that if you can get yourself an invitation on a vision trip someday it'll change your life and and 
So that 15K was honorable, or was my bonus. My honorable mention is this, the full marathon at a team event. We got a lot of folks, I think, on the team who talk themselves out of the full marathon. I've long said the half marathon is the enemy of the full marathon because you train for a half, you finish the half, and you feel like garbage sometimes. <laughs> and you think there's no way I could do twice that. But the reality is our finisher rate for full marathons is higher, yeah. right? Because I think it's a little scarier. People are more honest in the training and, and so they stick to it. But um, I think uh, any one of our full marathons, whether it's Twin Cities or Kansas City or Grand Rapids or New York or LA, get to one of the team, not just on your own, but to one of the team events. Um, and uh, I don't know if we're still doing them. I love the away games people were doing. Yeah, you know, getting getting out of town and doing one with if you're from Chicago, go run L.A. with the team there. If you're from L.A., get up to Twin Cities and get a group of friends and go do an away game. Team World Vision event. All right. That's my list. I, I've got plenty of other memories, but that's my top five plus bonus plus honorable mention. We could actually just do a whole podcast episode of, of this. You know, just like best races, must do's, gotta have moments. It's so good, so good. There's, I've got all these memories from like running uh, through the streets of Nairobi with Nairobi Marathon. That was my first international race in 2014, first time to the field, meeting my sponsored child, Maureen, but your sponsored child, Maureen. And like you said, buddies. running. Yes, they're buddies, they're besties. Yeah. Um, but running, you know, in the streets of Nairobi with World Vision Kenya. Yeah. Um, and literally walking to the start line together and one of our Kenyan colleagues with a bullhorn singing, we're running in the light of God. Mm. That was us marching. That was our mantra towards the start line, you know, is that this is who we are. We're running in the light of God. And it just, I mean, it was a moment that marked me forever and then could only be trumped, like you're saying, by running through rural Bertabwa with kids who are in bare feet and just they're running on joy, just pure joy and giggling and excitement and life. That was, I think, the most memorable, palpable moment of really engaging in what we, we strive for with the fullness of life. Yes. Just to see those kids run without abandon, barefoot and with clean water. You know, my Maureen is one of eight. She's the only kid in her family that's grown up with clean water and she's now 15 and gorgeous and smart and sharp and it's just like the privilege of my life to say like I ran with her when and today to watch her running her own race in her life it's just it's wild that's awesome Okay, so other kind of top five kind of feeling things. What are some of your favorite key phrases mm. or guiding phrases of Team World Vision over the years? Mm. Well, I think, that, I mean, there's a few from me, but then there's some from other folks too, right? Um, for me, um, relentless forward motion. Uh, you know, that's a phrase we've used. It was advice that, um, someone gave me heading into my first Ironman, um, actually before Team World Vision existed. 
Um, they said, it's going to be hard. It's going to be harder than you think. It's going to be terrible, but just keep moving forward. No, no matter what you do on the race, just keep moving forward. And that's been that relentless forward motion has become a mantra for team world vision, um, running, but in life, right. When, when, you know, moving through hurt or loss or painful times that our tendency is to get stuck. Um, our human nature is to stop moving and just kind of turn inward and um, put our eyes on ourselves. But, um, uh, but if we can get our eyes off ourselves and on other people, then we can keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, that would take me to, to maybe number two for me would be, you know, there's often very little we can do to relieve our own pain, but there's almost always something we can do to relieve the pain of others. Um, it's something God taught me through the loss of my dad, both my brothers and my mom, you know, that, that pain is there. It's, it's real. It's hard. Um, and we've got, it's not to, it's not to neglect self-care, right? I fully believe in therapy and counseling and, uh, and prayer and meditation and taking care of your body and your mind and your spirit and your emotional health. Um, we need to do those things, but our tendency is to turn inward and only do those things. But when we're feeling terrible, uh, so there's this thing, this, um, you know, put your own oxygen mask on before you help others, right? Mm -hmm. But some people think that means like, like solve the whole problem. No, the plane is still on fire. Right. You just have your, you're just breathing and now you can help other people. And so like, you don't need to solve all your own problems before you start helping people, right? We see this in races when you're, right, you know, if you're feeling terrible in a race, the worst thing you can do is sit there and tell yourself how terrible you feel. Mm-hmm. The best thing you can do is not tell yourself how wonderful you feel. That, you're not going to lie to yourself. The best thing you can do is look for people who are hurting and encourage them. Yeah. Right. And I think the same is true in life is when you're hurting. Yes, get your oxygen mask on, but start helping other people. Um, That's good. Only one more for me, and then I'll try to look around. Uh, you know, if... Uh, almost everything that God has for us is on the other side of fear. Um, I'm living that right now, you know, step this, the number of people as I, as I kind of came to this decision that my time at world vision as a staff person was wrapping up mm-hmm. uh, and I needed to step out in this new adventure. Um, it's been full of fear and the number of people who have quoted me to myself, well, don't you always say you got to step through fear. And so um, that's a big one. Um, those are some big mantras or big themes, I guess, phrases. Um, I got, uh, two fun ones and they're both from Rusty, (laughs) um, Rusty Funk. Um, one of my best friends, one is don't stop for nothing. (laughs) Don't stop for nothing. And he would say that to me. That's one of his things. You can stop for something but don't stop for nothing. So that means for him in a race is, listen, if you have a real legit reason to stop, right? Major rock in your shoe, stop, untie your shoe, get the rock out, put your shoe back on and keep going. But don't stop just to stop. Don't stop moving. So it like kind of goes to that relentless forward motion. Mm-hmm. Don't stop for nothing, only stop for something. That's a good one. Another one, which seems real simple, it's also rusty is every step closer, Mm-hmm. is a step closer. Yep. Every step closer is a step closer. And um, those are two rustyisms that kind of stick with me and they actually help me in races. 
The other two are about life though. One is um, uh, turn around and smile, mm -hmm. right? And so in a race, it can feel like you have so far to go. So sometimes you have to stop, turn around, look at how far you've come and smile and appreciate what's already been. And to be honest, that's what I'm trying to do right now, right? It's turn around and smile. So that's a big one, turn around and smile. There was some life-changing advice Rusty gave me one time. We were, um, I think it was actually on the same run that we started talking about running 100 miles together. So uh, on one run, we started, we were doing a training run and we started talking about how far, how far do you think you could run? I don't know, how far do you think you could run? I don't know, we had already done comrades, so we knew we could do 56 miles. And uh, somehow we said, well, what are the rules? How slow can you go? Can you stop? Can you eat? Can you sleep? And no, you can't sleep. Yeah, you can walk, but you know, no long extended breaks, this stuff. Yes, you can eat, of course. And that's where we landed on this idea of running a hundred miles, um, mm. uh, which we ended up doing. But on that same run, um, Rusty asked me if Danny and I were ever going to have kids. Mm. So this is 2010, probably late 2010. Danny and I had been married for 10 years and no kids. And he said, you know, have you and Danny thinking about having kids? And I said, you know, Rusty, I'm not sure. I don't know that I'm ready for the pain of it. I remember telling him, I don't remember. I don't, I don't know if I'm ready for the pain of having kids. And at that point, I'd lost my dad and I'd lost my brother, David. Um, and I'd also watched the hurt that comes with being a parent, the hurt that can come when your kids face hard things in life, addiction or depression, or, you know, the, the hard things that your children have to go through and, and the type of pain that can cause a parent um, and the pain I'd already been through. And I just said, I, and I remember Rusty just kind of being shocked, you know, um, just like what in the world who talks about having kids as, you know, pain. And I just told him, I, I saw having kids as an, just opening my life up to more undisclosed amounts of pain. Mm -hmm. And we started talking about kind of my hurt with God and my, my broken trust in God. And, you know, this idea that it's not that I stopped believing in God, but I maybe stopped believing in his goodness or his, his desire for good in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and I forget exactly how he phrased it, but it's basically this. He said, Michael, I know you're hurting, but you need to have trust in God in the after the way you did in the before. Mm. You need to trust God now after the loss you've been through of your, of your dad and your brother. You need to find a way to have that same faith and trust in God um, like you did before. And, and it's different. And, you know, now gone, gone, having gone on to lose my other brother and my mom, it's different. My faith is not the same. So I wouldn't say it's like before. And that's not what he was saying. It's, he wasn't saying an unchanged faith. Um, but that was a key moment. And, you know, uh, it was still two years later, we decided to try to have kids and it took a couple of years. And um, now we have our seven-year-old son, Cruz. I don't know that we have him without that conversation on that run, you know. And... I think it's just indicative of the deep relationship that happens out on runs right. um, and through Team World Vision, the community. You know, when I lost my brother, David, um, 
it was my pace group of like 10 people that got me through that summer. You know, um, the number of people I've been able to log miles with from, you know, yeah, I just from staff to team members um, and the the way they've poured into me. So that's some phrases. Sorry, I got a little heavy on that one, but it, I think it's indicative of the deep personal nature of this team. I think that um, really paints the picture beautifully of when you hear people say, we start as strangers and we cross the finish line as family. You know, there's a lot that happens out there on the path if you allow it, if you come to it and, you know, bring your sweaty mess with you. Yeah. Um, you can run through it together and get to the other side of it together. And like you said, no one leaves unchanged. Yeah. Michael, you know, you have such a strong call on your life and that's been so clear. And now you're in a new season of that calling. You know, we even got to pray over you as a team and commission you into this new season. And I would, I know the people moving their feet right now. You all want to hear what is this new season? What is this thing that Michael gets to be a part of? What is he being called to? So Michael, I know it's a bittersweet thing. Um, leaving or transitioning out of something that really God birthed in you and out of you. Um, but what does this new season look like? What is God calling you into? Yeah, you know, um, ever since really my first trip to Haiti, long before Team World Vision started, but then uh, being becoming clarified on a bike ride, training for Ironman and God birthing the vision for Team World Vision, I was fortunate that by the age of 30, I was very clear on my life calling, which is to spend my days doing all that I can to relieve, to tackle the root causes, to put an end to um, issues around extreme global poverty and uh, spend my days on behalf of our most vulnerable brothers and sisters in the world. So one of the challenges with that, when you're so, it's a, it's a blessing to be so clear. Most people spend half their lives or more trying to get clarity around what is their calling. And you know, when my dad died when I was 25, I said, I don't wanna wait till I'm 50 or 60 to figure out why God put me on this earth. So I'm passionate about a lot of different things from diversity, equity, and inclusion to people with disabilities to, there's a lot of causes I can get excited about. But when I look at my calling, it's very clear. It's to spend my days on behalf of issues of global injustice and poverty. And so one of the challenges that brings then is um, that it limits you know, my future opportunities for my career, for my ministry, for my work. Uh, and largely, I've always said World Vision ruined me in the best ways possible because I Learn, I've learned so much about global development since being uh, a part of World Vision. And I have fallen in love with what it means to do sustainable, empowering development work, right? And, um, you know, and so over the years, I've, you know, I've always had this idea of like, what would I ever do if it weren't World Vision? Where would I even go? And I kept a very short list as I look at organizations around uh, around the world. Uh, and that list has never been more than five or six organizations. 
um, that I would even consider working for. And that doesn't mean there's not a lot of great organizations out there, but when I ask the tough questions about you know, organizations doing the type of work that I could really get behind, there's only a handful. And in this past season, I started working with an executive coach and some mentors, and they asked me a lot of hard questions about, was I really leaning into my full leadership capacity and potential? And, you know, as I started looking um, uh, at my future career path, it just uh, became clear to me that I was coming into a season where I wanted to grow um, my, my, just grow in my leadership, grow in my, in my bandwidth of, you know, the breadth of what I'm able to do. I, I wanted to step into a more senior role within an organization. I turned over lots of stones uh, within World Vision, within World Vision International, and really looking and saying, God, is this a season where, um, where you want me to continue growing my leadership at World Vision? And actually, my wife, uh, one night, she just said, you why are you so tunnel vision that you believe world vision is the only place you could live out your calling to serve um, people living in extreme poverty? And I said, well, I just, I believe our work is so great. I believe it's the best and all this stuff. And she said, well, I, I know you believe that, but is it possible that God might have something else for you? And so um, she asked me to share the other organizations um, that, I, that I respected. And it was at, in that same season that God had given me a word, um, a phrase. Just a number of months back, uh, I was hiking up um, uh, the Grand Tetons with Team World Vision on a, an event we called Peak to Peak. And we were challenged to ask God for a phrase or a word. And I have the rock, the rock right in my hand. It says, uh, the, the phrase God gave me was open hands, open heart. And you know, I was looking at some opportunities within World Vision to grow my leadership. I was looking externally a little bit and just, I just said, God, if one of these opportunities is for me, make it clear. Yeah. Right. And um, the way that this organization, so this, this organization that I'm going to is called Opportunity International. And I've yeah. known about them for years. Uh, they were on my short list of five or six organizations. In fact, I had a list of just like five or six dream jobs that I'd written down in my phone. I said, these are dream jobs that I would do. And, and so when I, when I shared that list with my wife this past summer, I said, go look at their websites. And I did. And I saw this job posting for a chief philanthropy officer. And it's a little bit out of my wheelhouse of what I've been doing. Um, but it looked like I really met the qualifications and like it might be a good fit. Well, Lo and behold, a couple of days later, a mutual friend sent me the job description and gave my name to the CEO and said, hey, they're looking for this chief philanthropy officer. I think you'd be great at it. I gave them your name. And so I said, all right, God, I'll at least, I'll at least walk down the road. And just as I did that, it became increasingly clear that this was a season where I was going to have to take some of my own advice. Yeah. And, um, the number of times I've stood on a stage yeah. And asked people to step through fear and told them that everything amazing God has for them is on the other side of fear. Um, I've had to, I've had to lean into that in this season because I, I was not wanting to leave world vision. It was not something I was actively seeking out. I was super excited about in the early phases of this. And I just had to ask God, am I letting fear 
prevent me from doing the thing that you're calling me to and maximizing, you know, um, this one life that you gave me using all my gifts to their fullest and leaning into the type of leader I feel called to be. And, um, and so I went through a very intense interview process and, um, and when it came down to it, uh, and my new CEO, Atul Tandon, who I had known, he was actually a senior vice president at World Vision during my first few years starting Team World Vision. So he, we had not stayed in touch. He did, you know, he'd followed us from afar and had seen what Team World Vision had become. So in the interview process, when he called me to tell me they were offering me the job and he clearly articulated why they were offering me the job, it, it just became crystal clear that the leadership gifts God has given me, um, that I'm being called to use them in a new way um, and to develop in a new way and to grow in new ways. And so I'm very excited about it. Um, Opportunity International is a much smaller organization than World Vision and a little bit more focused. Um, you know, it is like World Vision, it's a global humanitarian organization that looks to tackle the causes of poverty. Um, where World Vision, you know, views uh, poverty is a puzzle, right? And there's different pieces to that puzzle, economic development, healthcare, water, uh, food security. Um, Opportunity International focuses in on just a few key areas of that, uh, specifically in the areas of economic development and access to education. And so it's, it's really this idea that um, if people can't find a way to earn a living, they will remain in poverty. And so Opportunity uh, International works to uh, help people have access to some very basic things that we take for granted, things like savings accounts, access to banking in rural areas. You know, if you're living in the slums of India and you can't read or write, how could you open a, a bank account? Well, you can use biometrics, thumbprints and retina scans to open up a digital bank account, right? Um, Microloans, you know, um, which those who've been around World Vision's work understand that, you know, uh, savings groups, micro loans, small business loans, um, uh, loans for schools to expand their classrooms and, and provide more access to education for more kids. So it really is focused on that, that kind of narrower field um, mm -hmm. within global development of helping empower people to be able to earn a living, put a roof over their heads, put food on the table, send their kids to school and live life in all its fullness. Yeah. It's so encouraging, Michael, to hear you just talk about these new opportunities um, that you're being given, but that you're able to help offer others now. And I um, know the, one of the greatest lessons I've learned from being in the field and, and seeing some of the incredible work of World Vision was that we were seeing incredible work of other organizations too, mm -hmm. right? World Vision isn't the only organization. It's an incredible organization. It's the, the largest Christian organization. We know why we love World Vision, right? But organizations like Opportunity International and others, the things that I learned when I was in the field and in Kenya for the first time and, and I saw in Ethiopia and other places, that this like kind of, I mean, it's important, but yet pettiness, I think of, of Western society is that we have to put a label on everything, you know? And um, the one thing that I've learned from our brothers and sisters is that it's everyone's, right? Desmond Tutu talks about that Ubuntu, that I am because we are, and you are stepping in to new space to continue the call that we're all, you know, given to serve our brothers and sisters. 
and it's exciting to hear you talk about these possibilities and from water to economic opportunity it it's all so vital to get to that end game of fullness of life for all people yeah i appreciate that ldr you know there are um what's exciting there are actually a few countries where world vision and opportunity international partner up where so, there are um, some shared, uh, you know, certainly uh, shared operations, shared things. Uh, um, a, a number of years ago, Opportunity International changed some of its model, and uh, we had we had really owned these micro banks and the microfinance institutions, and um, and we transitioned a lot of those to other organizations. And World Vision took on some of those. So in places like the Democratic Republic of Congo where um, World Vision now runs the microfinance institution or the bank, but Opportunity International is still running a lot of the programming through partners. Um, so there's really cool things like that. Um, you know, one of the things that has really excited me about the mission of Opportunity International um, is it is a Christian organization and their mission is largely, um, they describe it um, uh, as being rooted in the story of the Good Samaritan, mm. which I just, I've always been drawn to that story in the Bible, that it is sometimes uh, not the religious leaders who are setting the example. And right. I heard our CEO, uh, Atul Tannen, say, you know, it's amazing what can be accomplished when people of good faith and goodwill come together. And so it's just really amazing. I, I love that that part of what we're going to be doing, what I'll, I'll get to be doing. Um, I'm going to be working in a lot of different types of fundraising than I'm used to. So I would appreciate prayers <laughs> in that as I learn and grow. But again, I think just that, you know, taking to heart that, um, that we continue to step through fear and yeah. things God calls us to, that we continue to take on challenges that scare us. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, the other thing I, I was meeting with the guy that gave me the shot um, at World Vision 16 years ago was a guy named Mike Mantel. He was a visionary leader. He's gone on to be the CEO of another nonprofit called Living Water International. And um, he told me that one of the questions he asked when he was deciding if he was going to pursue this other opportunity was, is my team ready? Mm. Like, did I, do we have a strong team or are things going to fall apart? you know, if I leave. And that was the easiest question to answer. It's hard selfishly when you look and go, yeah, my team's ready to do this without me. That's hard to say, but it's so true about this team. It's true about our whole church and ministry partnerships team. But uh, Lindsay, it's specifically true about you and about Team World Vision, um, that God has equipped you. You are one of the leaders I most admire, uh, one of the leaders I learn from all the time. Um, it's not just vision and strategy, uh, which you have those. It's not just servant leadership, which clearly you have that, um, or the ability to inspire people. Um, it's your heartbeat. It's your deep care for the children and communities that we're running for. And there's a, you know, there's, there's a whole, there are tons of books, The Founder's Dilemma. There's all these things about what, what does the founder of something do and how do you find succession plans and all this stuff. I, I'm just thrilled that you are leading Team World Vision. I am, uh, you know I'm here for you for uh, any way I can be an encouragement or a support. Uh, while I may not be out raising money in an orange jersey in this next season, I will be at events, I will be 
cheering from the sidelines, megaphone in hand, flipping burgers or serving up slices of pizza, um, orange face paint and all. But um, I'm just going to be rooting you on. And I believe wholeheartedly that the best years of Team World Vision can be ahead of us, not behind us. And that will be in large part due to your leadership. So I'm grateful for you and excited for this next season for you as well. Friends, we serve a great God who invites us into incredible things. Running, walking, biking, swimming, climbing, hiking, even functional fitness. Did you know that this April 2nd, you and your friends can take on the Cheru Challenge, a functional fitness workout using a jerry can? That's right. If you want to get stronger in your off season, or you go to a box and you want to get them involved in the good work of ending the global water crisis, go to teamworldvision.org forward slash true to learn more, sign up and get your very own training plan. Friends, be reminded of this truth today. You were created in the image of God, chosen by that God, called by that God and commissioned by the power of the Holy Spirit to join God in the good work of reconciling and restoring all things. Thank you for saying yes to that call to follow him and with that be a part of bringing a bit of heaven right here to earth. Heaven seen through a high five, heaven seen through a generous gift, a grace-filled moment, heaven through a cup of cold water to a weary soul. How beautiful are the feet that carry the good news. Friends, while your feet might be blistered, a few toenails might be loose or missing, from God's vantage point, you have got some beautiful feet. So keep using them. Twende Mambale Pomoja. If you enjoyed the podcast this week, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. We can't wait till next month when we get to take on more miles with you. Thank you.